0: For just three weeks i'd like to talk to you about the church i'd like to attend and uh i believe this is a church we're becoming although i have to be honest with you i don't know if i've ever attended a church like the one i want to describe to you today out of ephesians chapter 4. now that title the church i'd like to attend uh, i came up with that title that was my idea although i do have two problems with it admittedly first of all a church isn't something we attend, like we're spectators or something. A church is who we are. I'm going to say that again. A church is not like we're spectators to attend something. A church is who we are. Yes. Amen. My other title, my, my other problem with that title is those two words, I'd like. I've just found that when everything caters to what I'd ideally like, it tends to spoil me more than it matures me. And, of course, you've got to generally connect with the kind of church I suppose it's a part of. But I, I don't want to be just this perpetual church shopper that, that whenever the music isn't exactly what I want, whenever, you know, Pastor Jim just kind of flops on a sermon once in a while and or all the time. Uh, you know what? It's, it's like, it's like well, I've got to start shopping for another church. I have no ambition to become a church shopper. I need a family. And that's what church is supposed to be. So I want to... I found a verse that for me describes the kind of church I'd like to be a part of, and that is my vision for our church family. I know we've been standing for a while. I'm gonna ask you to stand one more time with me and read this verse out loud. It's Ephesians 4, verse 16. Ephesians 4, verse 16, as loud as you can through those wonderful masks of yours. Uh, Verse 16 starts with the word from, Altogether, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I would love to attend a church like that. Amen? So may God bless his word as we come to it today. You may be seated. Having just read that, I would like to now put up before you what I call a Bradford Amplified version of that verse. (laughs) With some explanatory words in it first of all from him well who's him well from the previous verse we see that's jesus christ and and he's saying the church is like a body and a body has a head right that governs everything else and the head is jesus so we're connected to the head from him the whole body that's of course we the church joined and held together by every supporting ligament, just as the parts of my body are held together by joints and tendons and muscles and ligaments. So these are our relationships with each other. The the church is interconnected through our relationships. And then it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's our purpose as a church. Now, I'm not a good artist to draw a nice looking body for you, but I, you know, the engineering background in me, I always think in diagrams. And so, so here's my diagram of this description of the ideal church. It starts in the middle with a circle. We'll just call this the Christ circle. That's where he starts, from him, from Christ. And then he said, we're, we're, we're held together by the joints and ligaments. So then we go to a second circle, and after Christ, it's the people of Christ that surround Christ. And then he said, and the body builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's a third circle, and that's the work of Christ. Christ, the people of Christ, and the work of Christ. Or as uh, we, we say, this is our vision as a church. We want to dynamically connect people to God, connect people to others, and connect people to their purpose in life. Or sometimes we just simply say those three words, God, people, purpose. That's that that's what it's all about. And I'm gonna be focusing on that purpose circle today um, because you know, although we don't start with purpose, we need to get there. Although this is not where we start. In fact, I'm gonna be taking these circles in reverse order in this series. And I'm gonna start with, with purpose, but that's not where we start. I'm starting this series with purpose, but we don't start our Christian journey with purpose. So let's put that diagram up and I've added an arrow. Notice that arrow doesn't start in, the th- in circle three. Uh, you know, that arrow, that arrow doesn't start just with church programs and being busier than you used to be. The heart of Christianity is not being busier than you used to be. The heart of Christianity is not feeling guiltier than you used to because of all the things you still don't do. The heart of Christianity is being connected to Jesus. It's a lifestyle of walking with Jesus, enjoying his love, being filled with him. It, 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 it's a life-giving Start. It doesn't start with what we do. It starts with Him and who He is in our lives. And then, having been connected to Christ, then, we're connect, then we connect to other people because we can't grow alone. I'll be unpacking a little of this next week. And, and, and then, as one friend of mine put it, having been the people of God, connected to Christ and connected to each other, then together we do the work of God, and that's purpose. And you notice that arrow goes... It goes way outside the circle because it goes outside us to our world. and Wasn't that a great message by my friend Mark Renfro last weekend? And I actually listened to that message twice, although I was at my mom's funeral last weekend. But uh, that, that was an amazing message, and, and that, that's part of our global footprint. That's one part of our purpose as a church. So let's read it one more time. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, And the the circle three thing we want to focus on today, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I just want to come up in front and say to all of us that this may not be the church model you grew up with. Especially when I was in smaller churches, you know? and, And some of us still think this way. When something's needed in the church, the first question is, well, where's the pastor? Don't we pay somebody to do this? It doesn't say it grows and builds itself up in love as my favorite worship team is leading every Sunday or, or my favorite preaching pastor on the preaching team is preaching today. No, it, it doesn't say... It grows and builds us up in love as finally we get our debt paid off, and, which we're trying to do, and you're helping a lot. Or we have good facilities, or we, we get some positive press in town. No. And we're kind of built. You know, we're kind of built like the church. Church growth is often built around systems and celebrity pastors. and It doesn't mention any of that here. This is why I would say I've never really been in a church exactly like this before in my life. Most churches are still pretty pastored, It's dependent, pretty style-dependent, pretty pretty cool-dependent that are growing. Here, he gives us a whole different vision of how a church grows. It's the church building itself up in love as every part does its work not as the celebrity pastor does his work or her work, but as everybody, every part does the work, then you just can't keep people away because they love people here. I mean, every part's doing its work and it's just constantly building itself up in love the church. This is an incredible vision of what church life can be. And the question is, like, why? Why would God make it that way? It would be easy just to put a superstar in every church and, and make it very entertaining and see if we can draw some crowds. I mean, why would God do it this, this harder way? Well, he actually answers that question, that why question, in the previous verses. And this verse in verse 16, it just, it just kind of puts it all together for us. But he, he gives us three answers to the why question. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, first of all, in verse 7, in the lead up to that verse we just read out loud, he talks about what I would simply call your unique grace. Your unique grace. There, there, there is something of a unique grace that God has given to you in a way he hasn't given to anybody else. And, and Paul says it this way in verse 7. But to each of us, grace has been given, not uniformly, but as Christ apportioned it so to each one of us we have a unique portion of grace now I'm kind of fascinated by facial recognition I have one of those phones that all I have to do it is look at it and the thing unlocks on me because it somehow recognizes my face even early in the morning when I don't even look like me it recognizes my face But I've noticed when I put my phone in front of my wife, it doesn't unlock. And probably if I put my phone in front of your face, it wouldn't unlock, at least I hope it wouldn't unlock. It's supposed to be secure. You know what? Every one of us has a unique spiritual face. We have grace as Christ apportioned it. And we go, no, 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 that can't be true. Like, don't we all have the same grace from God? Well, in a way we do, but I like the way the famous British Bible teacher, John Stott, put it. He said we have saving grace, that's common to all of us, and then we also have serving grace, which makes all of us different. Now, saving grace is Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and every one of us, no matter how badly we've messed up, and we may have all messed up in different ways. Christ does something we don't deserve, that's why we call it grace. He just forgives us. When we put our faith in what he did for us on the cross. And his resurrection spirit comes in. And he makes us new. That's, that's where all grace begins. And that's common to every one of us who know Jesus. That's what I would call saving grace. He saves us from God's judgment. He makes us a part of his family. But, but then there's serving grace. And that's what Paul's talking about here. This is the unique grace that Christ apportions to each one of us. And it simply, it simply means that each one of us is unique. I mean... You're one of God's originals, every one of you. There's nobody quite like you, just like nobody's got quite my face. Thank God for that. Nobody else has this face. Nobody. It's, like, it's like you have a unique fingerprint. And some of our past church experiences have maybe been where you just feel this pressure, like you're on the outside until you conform to how everybody talks, how everybody acts, how everybody thinks. And... and you know, it's like churches, sometimes we think churches just want to press us into this uniformity, but you know, that's what cults do, not churches. True spirit-filled churches recognize the uniqueness of everybody, there's nobody like you. That's why in post-COVID reinventing our Wednesday night gatherings, you know, you know for adults, while our children are being mentored and our youth are worshiping in the activity center, at Wednesday nights, uh, for adults at 6.45, we, we now have a more menu approach, and we're just beginning to open that up, because we believe that as each of us takes responsibility for our spiritual growth, we're all at different places, and we all have different kinds of serving grace, and so increasingly, we want to offer options for you that don't last forever, maybe a few weeks at a time, that will meet you right where you are. Like we just, with Bob Burby, we just had a great marriage in Richmond. I mean, Sandy and I love being in that class And and, and, and uh, we, we just, and we had a deep dive Bible study uh, going on over here in the, uh, in the chapel by Wes Bartel, looking at the Sermon of the Mount. I mean, it, it depends on what you need. I mean, there's unique grace on your life, and we're gonna keep unpacking those kind of things because what did Paul say? To each one is given grace as Christ has apportioned it to each one. And and we just want to help you wherever you are right now in your spiritual growth and the kind of serving God's calling you to just to equip you and help you with that. And then Paul tells us next that that serving grace is connected directly to Jesus' resurrection spirit. Wow, that's quite a thought. So that's why in the next verse, verse 8, he said, this is why it says, and then he quotes the Old Testament, Psalm 68, verse 18. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to people. And he's saying, you know what? All those Psalms were written a 1,000 years earlier. Jesus fulfilled that. He was talking about Jesus. When Jesus ascended on high, he took some stuff captive. Everything that victimizes you, sin, evil, all of these things, he, he took it captive. And what did he do? Well, well, in his very first sermon, the apostle Peter said, when Jesus went to the right hand of the Father, The first thing he did was receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Heavenly Father, which he had poured out on you. That's why we would say Jesus is our Savior, yes, because we all have saving grace, but he's also the baptizer in the Holy Spirit because we also have serving grace. And the reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to energize us with resurrection-empowered giftings. This is it. Because, and I often like to... In fact, this is a statement I say to myself often, as I go through a month. The spirit that God gives us wants to flow through us. How often, I just find myself thinking that a lot. You know, God, your spirit that you gave me, you want it also to flow through me. Why, because I have more than saving grace. If I only had saving grace, he'd just give me a spirit, kind of make me new. But because there's serving grace, because grace is God's apportioned a certain kind of grace to each one of us, His spirit is supposed to go through. So that's why he talks about God's given gifts. This is His resurrection power. And that's why you will hear me often say in our church life, "You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister." I mean, we probably have a handful of pastors, some of them are sitting on the front row here, but we have hundreds of ministers in this auditorium right now. You are a minister. You, you are God's plan. God's Spirit flowing through you. And, and, and there's this, to the degree that we, we say, well, don't we pay pastors to do that? To that degree, we, we are creating this artificial distinction in the church. When, in fact, God's baptized all of us who are hungry for it in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants to flow through us because every one of us are ministers. You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister. You just have serving grace uniquely on your life. So the only missing piece now, you have serving grace. It's empowered by the resurrection power of God. It's just the help that all of us need to kind of call that forth out of us. And that's where he goes to, to God's equipping strategy. And uh, he mentions this next, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He mentioned five um, leadership offices in the church. And he doesn't say God gave apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, so that they could be paid to do everything. And this is one of the weaknesses of the Western church today. It's that they, statistically 90% of the ministry in most of our churches is done by 10% of the people and a good portion of those 10% are paid staff. Like, why do we need money to do something? I mean, wh- why don't we renounce that idolatry? I even find volunteers won't volunteer. Well, can you kind of pay me for my time? You, you know what, this, and, and a few are called, to, I gave up an engineering career because I felt like God called me to do this full time. A few of us are called to do that. Most of us are called to do what I did before I went into full-time ministry. And that's have a very busy full-time life and also do what I could to help make a difference and to serve the churches and serve people around me and be a part of God's unique serving grace in my life. And and that's, that's it. And so he says these five leadership offices are to equip his people for works of service. That's why they're there. So that the whole body... The, so the body of Christ may be built up. How are we going to build ourselves up in love? It, it, it's, it, it's by leadership doing what they can to equip. And and what a gift for any of us to have leaders in our lives. I see Dr. George Wood sitting down there. He was one of those leaders. He saw potential in me I didn't see in me. And I find that Jesus gives me those kind of eyes for you. In fact, I find it tough just to pray for your present needs. And, I, you know... I'll pray for your surgery. I'll pray for your financial need, whatever. But you know, as a pastor, I just find Jesus keeps giving me eyes—not just for what you're going through right now, but what you can become. And and I I just believe that my my calling as a pastor is to serve your potential. I don't, I don't preach for me as as much as I may like it some Sundays, not every Sunday. As much as I look, you know, I don't do this for me. I mean, God had to settle that with me years and years ago. All these people don't come, so you get to preach. No, I preach because I'm called to serve your spiritual potential so that you can do the work of building up the church and do the work of the ministry. This is biblically how it's supposed to work, even though that's not been many of our experience in the past with church life. But here it is. And that word equip is really interesting. The same verb, to equip, is used when it says, Jesus, Matthew, Matthew 4, Jesus went and found some fishermen who were mending their nets, or equipping. It's more than just teaching us skills. This equipping is helping us to be, because who you are will always take you with influence farther than anything you do. And we're all a mess. Don't trip over yourself. We're all a mess. We're all needing mending. But that's part of how. I just want to encourage you who you are in Christ and equip you in God's word and, 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 and help you see yourself as God sees you. He sees potential in you. He sees you affecting people around you that Jesus desperately loves. And so leadership is given to men or to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's why Robert Coleman, in his classic of several decades ago, The Master Plan of Evangelism, he writes, while the church is looking for methods to move the multitudes, God is looking for men and women whom the multitudes will follow. You really are God's plan at work this week. It's not your corporate strategy. It's you. You're God's plan. God didn't die for programs or strategies. God died. Jesus died for people in whom he put his resurrection spirit, And then he called uh, alongside you some leaders who are supposed to get over themselves as well and not do this for their purpose, but do this because they so believe in the people they're leading and their potential. See, each of us has a purpose that makes all of us stronger. I I deeply believe that. I believe we can become that kind of church where, where the purpose, the serving grace every one of us has can make us all stronger. So I was thinking about this, I started thinking of people in our church life, like, like um, here's, a picture of, uh, here's a picture of Don Jakes. Look at that handsome guy. If you tend to enter on the Boonville side, when you come to services here, uh, you probably see Dan, sometimes his wonderful wife, uh, Don, and sometimes his wonderful wife, Jan, leading, uh, greeting, hosting, just, I mean, this, this makes us all stronger, just that we can barely get in the door and someone's there to really help us feel like we belong. Really help, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, I was general secretary for almost 10 years, so I was a guest speaker at a lot of Assemblies of God churches. And even I, my first time in Assemblies of God church, I'm general secretary of the Assemblies of God. Sometimes I'll be going, like, what's wrong with this picture? I'm the general secretary of the Assemblies of God, and even I feel nervous visiting an AG church for the first time. Why, because I don't know anybody. I don't know what door, I've actually gone and, I'm, I'm the guest preacher that morning, and I've walked into the wrong door outside, and it's locked, and I can't find the front door. And then inside, like, there's nobody to tell me where to go. You know, this is, I, I love what Don does, but, but he's also, he, he's not a paid pastor. He's, he's making a difference, but he's a businessman. In fact, a month ago, he was awarded the Broker of the Year Award with one other guy by the Greater Springfield Board of Realtors. He was Broker of the Year. Recognized for how he's impacted our community, and not only that, in our fellowship with the Assemblies of God, he, he was the president for a while of 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 the Light for the Lost Men's Ministry Initiative, raising money to to create materials to help to help spread the word of God all over the face of the earth, and 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 and, and he did that. He's a leader of men, and. And and he did that as a volunteer. In fact, he's still doing it. Last night he texted me and said, just raised $235,000 for Light for the Lost in Southern Missouri in the last few weeks. (laughs) I mean, nothing stops this guy, right? Are we paying him? No. Does he have the title of a pastor? No. But boy, is he making a difference. And we're all stronger because of people like Don Jakes. Or people like my friend, Kennison Ray. Kennison, I met Kennison... Uh, when I came back to pastor just three or four years ago. And, uh, and she, th- we took this picture uh, last Wednesday night when she was a part of the worship team. She volunteers uh, as a singer on the worship team in the youth service. And she also helps twice a, twice a week over here in our children's ministry. She's amazing. And I still remember one of my first conversations. She said, Pastor, I listen to your sermons. And then during the week, I listen to them again on the podcast and I take notes. I mean, how can you not really like someone like that? <laughs> I mean, I just thought, wow, oh, this lady's amazing. On top of it, on top of it, she she is graduating this semester from Central High School uh, as one of the top grade-wise, one of the top ten students at Central High School. And uh, Sam Stagner in our church is also graduating from Central High School in one of the top ten. And, uh, you know, Landon Clark, Hillcrest, he's graduating one of the top 10 students in his high school. Thank God for phew, just making a difference out there. That's where most of us are supposed to be, just out there making a difference. And, and yet they're volunteering. We're, we're stronger because of Kenison here. And then one more picture, if you'll indulge me, Matt Rojas, I love this. Matt Rojas, he's the guy on the left. That's Tiffany Hedlund on the right. We do pay her part-time as our preschool director, and and she coordinates the work of a lot of volunteers. And one of our volunteers is Matt. He sometimes works with preschool and sometimes with our elementary school ministry. And you can see here, we are actually making a movie star out of Matt. Because that's upstairs in our TV studio because we still provide all of our children's ministry online as well as now live during our 11 o'clock services on a Wednesday night. And, and Matt's just there, he's an amazing guy. And, and the children's uh, team was telling me that, that it was just a couple of Sundays ago, we had a family visit us for the very first time, and a little girl who went over here into ch- elementary children's ministry, and you can imagine first time as a little kid. I mean, I get nervous when I'm the first time going anywhere, but a little, little kid, doesn't know anybody. And this little girl, and Matt, he, said, he, he, just, he just kneeled down, and he just looked at her eye to eye, and he gave her, like, serious time. And he, he didn't preach at her, didn't let, do all the talking. He just listened to her, just tried to get to know her, listen to her. And then, and then he could understand how to connect her with some other girls her age in the group. And, and, and it was clear she had significant anxiety that first Sunday. But, but here's one of us. He's making us stronger. Because he knelt down and just looked a little... Little girl, and that precious little girl that Jesus loves in the eyes, and just helped her feel welcome. And I was told, she's kinda of bounded in there the next week and connected to her friends and they were all laughing. Why? Because somebody might have had a life-changing conversation with a little girl right there. And you see, we all have serving grace in our lives empowered by the power of the Holy, Jesus' resurrection spirit, and, 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 this, is, and this is where we go. So let's read it one more time, that verse 11 talking about God's equipping strategy. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That you're the heroes of the church, not the paid pastors. You're the ministers. And just think of what can happen when you live out your serving grace. And so, and so it's then in a few verses later that Paul gets to this description of the church that he's been building up to especially with the emphasis on purpose that's uh, one more time verse 16 from him Christ the whole body that's us grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work and then I want, one more time this is the last time on this verse but with an emphasis on two other words from him Christ the whole body that's us grows and builds itself up what are the next two words? In love. Oh, we all love being in love, right? I'll tell you, when you, when you I love this about church families. When you can hardly stand not to be together. When you just, I mean, this isolation stuff this last year, I understand it from public health. I think it's of the devil. We all shrivel when we're in isolation. I mean, we love people, we want to be with them. And, and we don't do this because we feel guilty if we're not volunteering for the church. No, we do this out of love for God's great people. God's great people, people of the church, they are the greatest people you ever want to meet. And yeah, we all have our issues. But, but we grow and build ourselves up in love because each part does its work. So, where does that leave us in our closing moments? Where does that leave us? First of all, um, the serve class. It's this next Wednesday. You heard that announced at 645. Uh, and um, Pastor Anthony leads that. And I understand it's going to be in room 202, right? So 202 is uh, up there. And there will be people when you come in to direct you to that class. And what I love about serve class is it's not doing sometimes what's been our, our experience in church a whole list of where we need quote-unquote volunteers, and then you feel pressure to do something. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the biblical approach. The biblical approach is how has God graced you? What serving grace is on your life? How can we help you discover that? And then let's match that with places and opportunities you have to express your serving gifts in a way that will make the whole stronger. And so the CERP class is all about just discovering your gifts and your strengths and, and, then, and then how could we match your strengths to what are opportunities here in the life of the church. Or a small group leaders class. I talked to a guy, Dane Spear, uh, the other night. He's an evangelist student, actually. I love all the evangelist students that come here. And, and he's, he, he went to our small group leaders class, which is going to be starting next month, offered every month, serve class on the third Wednesday of every month, and uh, small group leaders class on the last Wednesday of every month. We want to equip you. I mean, if, if, if we've had a lot of small groups proliferate, but for every new small group leader that steps forth, we can just connect a whole other group of people who, who, who find connection in life here in us. I encourage you to do that. And next-generation mentoring. I mention this one because, first of all, our children are, are our most vulnerable and therefore our greatest responsibility as a church, our kids. And, uh, and they are the next generation. And, and we, we can be like a Matt Rojas and literally or fig- figuratively get down and look at a child's life. And one conversation even can change the direction of their life, can create a memory, an association with Jesus that they'll just wanna keep coming after. And um, I could list people who, who did that in my life when I was a little kid. And, and probably, probably our pace of reopening right now in the next two months is gonna be less dictated by public health protocols and more dictated by available volunteers. We've had so many people of necessity, because we were shut down for a while, of necessity step out of volunteer ministry positions. And I've been encouraging you, don't clutter your life. Again, like you did pre-COVID. Stay really focused on Jesus. But that doesn't mean there's still not purpose in your life. But stay focused enough that you can, and streamlined enough in your life that you can make a difference. And, and, and uh, we've had some people say, well, why aren't we doing this ministry yet and that ministry yet? And to be honest, the answer has been, uh, we, we can't find the volunteers. But we just believe part of reopening as part of re-engaging the serving grace that's upon every one of our lives. And uh, it was a week ago Wednesday that, uh, that, we, uh, that Pastor Anthony down here, we actually roped him in to teaching our kindergarten class. A week ago Wednesday. I don't know if that was a pretty picture or not, but um, he's one of our pastors and he wasn't teaching serve class that night, but we just had no volunteers. And yet we had a bunch of kids. And, and we, just, we have such incredible opportunity to shape a whole generation. And this is not scolding, this is very under, every church is facing this as we're reopening, as people have been out of volunteering for so many months. I mean, it, it just is work. But I, I just encourage you to grapple with what serving grace means in your life. And if God has given you a heart for next generation, maybe you've been married 35 years, And you just wanna start having coffee with a younger married couple every month. Just somehow, our our church is multi-generational, but the fuel is intergenerational ministry, starting with the youngest among us and going up through youth and adults. So I just encourage you that way. And then the last one is just, it's wide open. It's just giving and caring, just giving and caring. You know, Jesus didn't die for programs. He he died for people. you know, you may not even formally be a part of a program, but, but just, just engaged with people, giving to them and caring for them and letting them know you're interested. And church growth people, you know, it, it worries me, they don't tend to quote Ephesians 4.16 a lot, but they will say, for new people, the first three minutes of a service is the most important three minutes because that'll basically dictate whether they come back the next week. Well, that may be somewhat true. But sometimes I think it's the first three minutes after we say amen at the end of a service. it's It's just, I won't leave this place without connecting with somebody. I love these people. And if it's nothing else than just waving at somebody and shouting through your mask, it was awesome to have you here today. I mean, we have people in their world, nobody ever looks them in the eye and says, your presence is of value to me. I mean, when does that ever happen in most of our worlds during the week? But just caring, just connecting, just, just making sure nobody walks in here without somebody just, oh, it's wonderful to have you here. What, what was your name, by the way? Well, people say, I don't want to ask their name at Central because they'll probably say, I've been here for 20 years. You know, you don't know my name. You know? But don't worry, get over that. You know, because, I mean, how can you know everybody's name? After all, we have four churches here. We have the main floor church, we have the balcony church, we have the 9 o'clock church, we have the 11 o'clock church. How can you know everybody's name? There's no, no, but you just keep taking the risk because, you know, I'm God's servant. He's filled me with the resurrection power and my pastor believes in me. So I believe we can build the church up in love as each of us does our work. Hallelujah. So will you stand with me? Worship team, if you'll come.